0: today on the vantage performance podcast a bit of an insight into the way vantage performance works today as we look at the big questions they always ask when they start to explore a new turnaround project the key questions that will help them to understand what needs to be done and whether in fact a turnaround can be done the seven questions they always ask so you understand what a turnaround expert looks for that's today on the vantage performance podcast And Michael Fingland joins me again, Vantage Performance as CEO and Executive Director. And I feel like he might be giving away a a bit of intellectual property here, Michael, because, uh, you, you know, you, this is based on having been involved in lots of company turnarounds. In fact, can you actually put a, a figure on it? How many how many turnarounds have you been involved yeah, in? Yeah, we've done uh, 150 now, so... Wow, that's quite mm. a few, isn't it? Uh, 150 businesses saved over the 20 years or so that you've been doing this, and I guess over that time you've mm. managed to hone these questions that we're going to go through today, but uh, d- does that mean, if the answer to any of these questions is no,
1: it can't be done, does that mean you, you you walk away yeah the second question that we'll come on to around the, the first hundred days that's one where we really need to be comfortable that that there is a period of stability here that we can create um so so we've got all
0: the various levers that we can pull right well let's do the second question second let's do the first question first uh <laughs> which is uh you yeah. know what what are the changes uh you know can is it obvious how you how, you know yeah. how you change the company
1: yeah i mean we've we've sort of drawn this into our guys for, for years now when you when it comes to turnarounds, very rarely, and I mean very rarely, is there a temporary liquidity issue. So invariably there's one to two big changes in strategy that are required to to change the outcome. So you can't just tinker around the edges, and that's what a lot of, where a lot of turnarounds go wrong. So we're always looking, before we go into a situation, what are the one to two big changes? So, so this
0: isn't monetary. This could be are they selling the wrong stuff? Have they got
1: the wrong strategy, person yeah, in charge? Product range, geographical mm. sites, uh, do we need to – to change pricing, do we? Is it a, is it a balance sheet issue? But invariably, it's their business model. What are the one to two big changes to the business model? Because if you just, it's very very difficult. This is really a secondary issue, but very difficult to to rebuild the stakeholder confidence around a business if it's more of the same. Yeah, with a little bit more money, will be okay. Yeah. Invariably, that's not the case. We need to redesign the business model, the the, the strategy, so you can build a, a new story around that. Invariably. That part of the business model is broken anyway. So, so we're we're always looking for in the very first few days, if not before we get in there, because it, it'll throw up all the key issues very quickly if you're if you're looking that way.
0: And they're normally fairly obvious. And are they realised inside the company, or are you often bringing a, a a
1: fresh outlook here? They, it's a fresh outlook. It's the same old issue where if you're inside the business, you can't see you can't see it for yourself. Yeah, so, wood for the for trees us, and all that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. for us, it's it's. We see it very quickly because we, we've just done it so many times and, and we know what to look for and we're, and we're looking for it. That's the thing. So it's, it's a reasonably quick process for us, but, but often it comes as a surprise to our clients. But that's why we're there, right, to, to, to come up with new ideas a better way to, to help turn the business around now
0: okay number two we can do number two now uh, <laughs> which is all about cash flow uh, can you can you stabilize it um and yeah. how quick and you know how quickly can that happen and i guess yeah. that is imperative isn't
1: it yeah for us we before we go into a an assignment or if we if we haven't got the data to be able to do this we, we're working this out in the first few days is can we stabilize the business for at least 100 days it's one of our core internal business model tests because we know if we, can, if we can create a stable platform for 100 days, yeah. provide confidence to everybody, get in there, work out those one to two big changes, develop the plan, start executing, so, and, then, and then all those big initiatives start kicking in towards the back end of that first 100 days. So, so always looking to make sure that we've got at least 100 days of stability um, And you know, because we know all the, the various initiatives that we can and levers we can pull to, to give that stability. And then you build on that and then, then you roll out the second 100-day plan. So it's always one of the big things that we look for and why we have such a big focus on improving cash flow in that first 100 days. Right.
0: And then um, if you've identified those key issues, I mean, how many of them can actually be changed? I mean, one of them, for example, could be that there's just a, a massive new competitor uh, who is so good they're impossible to beat.
1: Yeah, this is this is a really big one for us. So you might have three, four, 10 you know, by definition, you sort of blown it, blown it there because really being key, you should try and keep it to three to four, but sometimes they do have 10. But um, for us, this is a big one because the, the more of the key issues that are inside their control to fix, the higher the rate of turnaround, the higher the chance of yeah. turnaround because because we back ourselves to help them fix those issues. But as you say, if a lot of their key issues are outside of their control, so new competitors come in, you know, economic downturn, industry disruption, um, you know, they've lost a major customer. Um, so a lot of those things are outside their, their control to fix um, immediately, whereas a lot of the internal key issues or issues that can be solved internally, th- 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 there's a quicker road to, 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 f- to fix those issues. So, so we mm. literally, you know, tally how many... Are inside how many are outside right. their control? A bit
0: like the old SWOT analysis, isn't it? Mm. Really, in a way,
1: yeah, to another degree. Mm. Um,
0: and I guess one of those things that you can, you know, you can control internally mm. is uh, is who's running the company and are they the right people and uh, are there any gaps?
1: Yeah. So this sort of covers off the next three questions. So, the, the, the invariably there are always management gaps. Um, some key people may have left, or a uh, person in a key executive role is just not up up to the the, the challenge of. That role, they might have been promoted recently, and just don't have the the expertise to really carry out that role. And particularly in a turnaround, which is very very challenging, and often the skill set of someone going through a turnaround is different, or the, the skill set required is different to to someone in a normal high growth, you know, steady as she goes sort of business phase. So, are there any gaps in the management team that we need to plug? And and sometimes it's a matter of bolstering the team as well. So it's not about you know getting rid of the CEO or GM, but it, or CFO, but it might be. We just need to bolster them for a period of time just to deal with the workload and take a lot of the restructuring activities, the, the bank negotiations and creditor negotiations, all that noise off them so they can focus on the core business. So management gaps is a key one. And the next one is really critical too. Do they have the energy left? It's something that we assess kind of in the background in the first first meeting and mm. in, in the first week is because often by the time we get in there… They've
0: been through hell, probably. Yeah.
1: They've been they've yeah. been through hell already and they've they've tried everything they, they know how, typically and, and their energy levels are down. So we and a turnaround mm-hmm. is always gonna be there's always gonna be more flurry of activity and, and you know positive <laughs> activity, but so you march in run there, run you so give a motivational speech
0: energy. and every, every and there every and, and fourteen cups Things of coffee right. and everything's right <laughs> again. But I mean I take your point, there might be some people who've yeah. just been through so much, they just don't have the energy to continue.
1: Do they have what it takes to continue on? Mm. Um Sounds a bit alarmist, but but energy levels are critical in a turnaround, and what we can't afford is for them to sort of fall flat in you know, four to six weeks in. So it's something that we we, we look at, and sometimes we ask them, you know, do you, do, are you up for this? Because um, it is going to be harder before it gets better, but it will get better. But you know, are you up for it, or do we need to bring someone in to do that heavy lifting for you so you can sort of you know provide some guidance from from and then from are the, the
0: and then sort of related mm. again to the to that and to the point before about management gaps. Mm have you got the people in the team who are actually going to be able to mm. be the right people to manage the turnaround
1: yeah that's right as i said before the the in a turnaround often the skill set required is is different as i said so you might have a ceo or a cfo who's is actually not the right fit for a turnaround phase but you know is perfect once you've stabilised the business and you're back to growth. So quite often you, you might need to bring in, particularly there's a gap there, right? So you might need to bring in a turnaround CEO or a turnaround GM, turnaround CFO because they have the necessary skill set to go through this unique phase. And then once the business is stabilised, you then replace them with a traditional growth CEO or, or CFO. So that's that's something we also assess. Is And again, it may not be replacing, but it might be bolstering. And that's typically what we end up doing. We put one of our guys alongside them to to take the restructuring activities off their, yeah. off their plate. And we call it the chief restructuring officer. It, that's what the industry calls it. And that's a model that works really well. So you can take all the, the non-core stuff away from them so they can focus on the business and the turnaround actually happens much faster. And so the final one is, way. where
0: are they on the five stages of decline? You like your numbers, don't you? I thought we were almost at the end there, but the number seven has five <laughs> parts to it. So uh, to take us through the five stages of decline.
1: Yeah, so the... Um, Jim Collins he's mapped out the five stages that a company goes through before mm. they they otherwise will eventually collapse. Yeah. So stages four and five are the critical ones. I'll let people go and have a look at it uh, on their own time. But stages four and five. So stage four is what he calls um, grasping for salvation. So what what effectively what it, what he means is a client's looking for that holy grail. So you know they're not fo- they're not focused on the core issues that need to be resolved. Those one or two big changes that that we talked about before, they're looking for this big holy grail, the big equity raise, the big sale, uh, and if it doesn't happen, you know, they're basically... You know, very quickly, come to stage five, which is, um, as he calls it, uh, capitulation to irrelevance or death. Right. So that's very, very U.S. Uh, <laughs> alarmist.
0: Uh, it, it doesn't language, sound good. But it almost sounds like the only no, thing that's going to save them now is the Messiah, isn't it? Really, it's uh, they—they're going to turn to religion because they've given up hope of anything else saving them.
1: That's right. So five is you either collapse or you've taken on so much water and you have ended up having to sell off so many parts of the business that. You've come back to such a smaller scale that you'll never ever get back up to where you were before. So you may not collapse, but you, mm. you you're in, invariably damaged for good. So.
0: so you're saying if you're on four or five, then you really don't entertain yep. the idea. It's too it's too late. Well, yeah. five certainly sounds too.
1: Most, late. No, it's it's not. But it, the probability of success is a little different. So most turnarounds come in. They're in they're in that stage four mm. process, early stage four, late stage four, where they've tried all everything they know how, and they're, now now they're, they're tr- they've gone through. 10 brokers trying to raise money uh, and it really is all or nothing on whether they get a refinance away uh, or an equity raise away. Sometimes they, they've they gone through that process and, and as I said before, you know, they're days away from, from closing the doors and we've turned around a number of businesses like that over the years because we've been able to bring different thinking to it. But you've got to move really, really fast. Um, yeah. so, that's, so so whether, whether they're in stage 4 or 5 or they're just at the, the sort of back into stage 3, invariably you know, a lot of businesses don't bring in a turnaround professional until they're at least in the stage four. But it just provides us with a, with a very quick sort of framework as to where we think there are, they are and where their mindset is, which mm. is a big part of turnaround and getting confidence and trust so they, they, they listen to the big changes that we have to execute and execute quickly. And in turnaround, that's one of the big things is it's called the 40-70 rule, but you never get to a position in turnarounds where you've got the luxury of having Assess something to ninety percent or ninety-five percent. You just don't have the luxury of time. So the forty-seventy rule is one where you need to get to at least forty percent, but closer to seventy percent of the analysis, and then make a decision. Because if you if you wait till you've got eighty, ninety percent, you are either dead or someone else is. Yeah, big, yeah. yeah. Too
0: the, no, I think that's a good. good. I mean, that was that was almost my rule in business. Always aim, always aim for the seventy. Mm. Always aim for the seventy percent. Because if you go beyond that, everything yeah, and then, will change. And then gut will
1: and then gut will take you the rest of the way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, So, so it's just a framework we look at to see where where are they. Uh, It's it's a fantastic framework to 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 have in the background to know where they really are at and what the probabilities are and and some of the radical restructuring. And it gives you the snapshot, yeah, to work with. Absolutely, Mm. great stuff. Mm. All right, well, we'll catch you again
0: very soon. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for taking us through this. Cheers, Phil. All makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Another Vantage Performance podcast with Michael Fingland from Vantage Performance. I'm Phil Dobby. We'll catch you here again very soon.
1: Thanks for listening.